This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me, your need-to-know financial podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, we've got a really great episode for you today. We're actually going to be talking about an investment theme that Candice and I are very interested in for 2024 and beyond. That's right. So what we want to do today in this episode is share a few ways to invest into this theme and why we should think of it. Now, before we get into this week's episode, a quick reminder, please remember that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content on the podcast is general in nature and you should seek your own professional advice before you make your investment decisions or reach out to us like a lot of our listeners have been, which we are very thankful for. Okay, disclaimer done. You guys get the picture. This is not personal advice. No, and it's based on facts known at the time of recording, which is the 20th of February, 2024. Now, CB, I've got something kind of interesting that I want to share with you. So did you know that an investment bull market, which is what we're currently in, is also understood to have derived from another of the animal's characteristics? So you know how bulls thrust their horns up in a (laughs) Hack, kind of symbolizing the upwards movement in share prices. <laughs> I'm just stuck on thrust. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> oh, Candice. <laughs> By contrast, though, bear markets and their falling share prices, which we don't want to be in a bear market, are actually named after the downward swiping of a bear's paws. So on that, CB, what are the bears swiping this week? Alrighty. Okay. So the bears, in terms of the talk and the sentiment in the markets, there's definitely dented deflation. That's a narrative, you know, hotter than expected CPI and PPI readings. So this triggered another hawkish kind of repricing of the Fed pivoting expectations. You know, we were really baking in lots of cuts sooner than being expected, but now it's the swaps pricing is about 85% basis point cut later this year versus 150 basis points two weeks ago. Also, there's some renewed scrutiny on the market's track record of a premature policy pivot during the recent tightening cycle. So again, despite a trend of hotter data, Q1 growth expectations still came below expectations. The out-of-fed GDP uh, figure 2.9 versus 3.4 last week. So this is a drag uh, on weaker than expected retail January sales. I guess it all comes back to the bear's point that the Fed's pivoting, the repricing has opened the door for another bearish talk more bearish points to be brought out, you know, including contrarian signals from a very stretched long positioning. Uh, DB said aggregate positioning jumped into the top quartile last week. So the bears are really swiping here. Lots of swipes. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Fed, really swiping at us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess the jury's still out, right? And if you look at the big tech side of 
things, you know, their index and earnings concentration. Citibank noted 20% of the expected S&P 500 index earnings in 2024 and 28% of capitalization. So again, it's all in focus, price to perfection. You know, the story goes on there, um, which flows into the AI bubble talk, super microcomputer and arm holdings. You know, they've had some great runs in the market lately, Felicity, but also reports about AI integration and the uncertainty around AI. And, you know, that also goes into high profile reporters like Cisco and Deere. They cut FY24 guidance. So, look, so overall, really, the bears are still very active, swiping in their cave. So I'm not going to say what the bulls are doing right now. They're thrusting up. No. Let's just stick to the macro bull points, hey? Okay. What's going on? So despite hotter CPI and PPI prints, the broader disinflation theme is really intact. And this Mm -hmm. is increasingly evidenced in Q4 earnings. In addition, there's some potential reprieve surrounding talk of a January effect on the data, along with another revisit of the divergence between core CPI and core PCE, so the Fed's preferred measure. Yep. You've also got our small caps outperformed this week despite a 4% sell-off in the R2K following CPI on Tuesday, which pushed the NASDAQ 100 and the Russell 2000 small cap ratio to the lowest levels since mid-Jan. We've also seen some operational efficiency push a Q4 earnings theme, so providing a little bit more cushion for margins. There's a bit of dry powder dynamic in play with the biggest outflow from money market mutual funds in the last eight weeks. I think also buybacks are another offset for positioning concerns Like with Goldman Sachs noting corporates are putting up a record in February in terms of authorizations and purchases. So huge amounts. Yeah. Like I'm just blown away. Yeah, I mean, it's great, right? Great for us if you're holding those positions. And then you've got the AI theme. You know, you could get another big player with report that Apple is actually working on new AI products to actually compete with Microsoft's GitHub co-pilot so that's actually going to be one to watch and very exciting and then lastly my point here is cbre said they're cautiously optimistic that the worst is actually over for office leasing uh, helping to drive some outperformance in the banking sector so everyone is back in the office (laughs) yeah that's definitely a key macro point to look out for so i think Look, sentiment's really changed, hasn't it, uh, year to date for this calendar year so far. So I think, you know, the the bulls are kind of winning the argument at the moment. Bullseye! Yeah, and look, I actually read an interesting letter to investors recently from OFA that I thought everyone might find interesting. Basically, when looking at investments over short periods, like a day or a few months, earnings do not move total returns much. What dominates the movement in share price and the market in the short term, putting aside, I guess, any currency movements, is really investor sentiment, which is responsible for increasing or decreasing valuation multiples. Emotions, right? So impactful. So essentially what you're saying is the letter is communicating like a cheery market typically sees multiple levels increase and a dire market sees multiples fall. That's pretty easy to get our head around. So unless you possess you know, the amazing ability, which no one has yet, I've yet to meet them to predict the future, sentiment really matters to the masses and the sentiment prediction game is a tough one to get right. 
you're better off just, you know, putting some money into the casino or gambling or doing the lotto. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was what I was going for, all on black. So for the long-term investors like us, and I know our listeners are in the same camp, sentiment doesn't really matter. It's very short-term noise. Earnings all the time win the day long-term. Look for quality businesses. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that kind of reminds me again of what famed investor Peter Lynch once said. Often there's no correlation between the success of a company's operations and the success of its stock over a few months or even a few years. In the long term, there is a 100% correlation between the success of the company and the success of its stock. This disparity is the key to making money. It pays to be patient and to own successful companies. Yep. Love that quote. Love the investor. Alrighty, let's turn our attention, Felicity, to the topic du jour. Oh, French, let's, fancy. I know, <laughs> throw that in, right? Fancy Fridays when this drops. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as promised, we're going to be sharing a key investment theme and investable ideas that we are liking for this year and the years to come. Okay, so you have been waiting now, I'm sure, at the edge of your seats. Now, if you are a regular to our show, we have been dropping some hints so far this year in the episodes to date on this theme and why we're excited about the sector. So we are talking today about life sciences and biotech. Now, for a bit of 101, the biotech industry has been at the forefront of medical innovation for decades, especially with the recent advancements in mRNA technology and gene editing. So why do we think investors should consider biotech and healthcare companies for 2024. Well, biotech is an incredibly dynamic and innovative sector with the potential really to revolutionise healthcare as we know it. I mean, the COVID-19 pandemic has underscored the importance of biotechnology in developing vaccines and treatments at unprecedented speeds. Now, beyond infectious diseases, biotech companies are also making strides in areas such as oncology, neurology and rare diseases, offering hope for millions of patients worldwide. I think also very exciting are the advancements in genomic sequencing and personalised medicine, which are unlocking new opportunities for targeted therapies, which have the potential to deliver better outcomes with fewer side effects. Now, CB, just one more point here. I know at Sone you came back talking about how amazing hearing from Dr. Daniel MacArthur was. He's an absolute visionary in genomics, didn't you? Yeah, he is incredible and he's tied up his work with the Garvin Institute and he's really establishing um, a fantastic genome data pool to help solve critical scientific, regulatory and technical problems that a lot of patients are facing in this space of growing and interesting medicine. Genomics like, is the mecca for the biotech sector, and it really could be the year it takes off. Just, you know, going back a step on the macro, as we've spoken about, Felicity, you know, this could be the year of the small caps and typically bio and healthcare growth companies put a lot of their profits and R&D back into revolutionising medicine. So this is why we're so excited as the sector is kind of poised to really step up this year and the years to come. Yeah, and I think what's really exciting about Dr. MacArthur is he's also really trying to establish Australia's leadership in this field. So I thought that was actually really quite interesting as well. Yes, very much so. So as you can tell, we're really passionate about this space. So there's a lot of demand for innovative healthcare solutions, 
products, new drugs, and they're set to continue to grow. And the biotech sector, we believe, is a really compelling sector and investment thematic for 2024 and for the years to come. So in honour of Rare Disease Day, which is the 29th of February 2024, we have screened and put together investable ideas across the biotech, life sciences and healthcare companies globally, which we think could prove not only to be winners to your long-term portfolio, but these are also businesses that are designing, manufacturing and distributing life-saving healthcare solutions and products. Yes, health is wealth, CB. 100%. (laughs) Love it. We should make that a bumper car sticker or something for Talk Money to Me. And for this episode, (laughs) health is wealth. (laughs) Health is wealth, hashtag love it. All right, so before we dive into these ideas, we're just going to take a short, quick break to hear from our sponsors. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And we're back. All right, Felicity, why don't you start us off in the ASX market? I think we're going to kick it off with a small cap idea, right? Yes, we are. So we're going to start in the ASX in the small cap sector, could be micro cap. Now, this company isn't covered by UBS or Shoreham Partners, but it is covered by Bell Potter. Now, we are, I guess, analyst agnostic here on Talk Money to Me. The company is called Genetic Signatures and the market cap is only 95 million with 186 million shares on issue. The code is GSS. Now, I believe if you actually like to dabble in the smaller end of town, this is an exciting company to look at. So they're a specialist molecular diagnostics company, and they use their proprietary three-based technology platform to improve diagnostics of infectious diseases. So the company has a unique test form. It's called the EasyScreen portfolio, which has a broad target range. So they focus on respiratory, gastrointestinal, sexually transmitted infections uh, and multi-resistant organisms. GSS at the moment has cash of 26.1 million. So that's partially made up of the recent placement and rights issue, as well as a R&D tax incentive refund. They also had sales of $2 million for their second quarter FY24. So they have sufficient cash really to achieve profitability. However, it's very heavily dependent on the FDA clearance and successful commercialization of its products internationally, in particular the US. Now, they've got some large competitors such as Roche Diagnostics and Abbott Laboratories, but I think what's interesting here is there are some upcoming catalysts. So, they're in the process of providing additional information to the FDA following a 60-day substantive review of the GI Parasite Detection Kit. So, I guess watch out for this clearance around May this year that's coming up. So that's a catalyst to watch. 
there's also six US lab sites that have already installed and are evaluating this product. So these labs could swiftly convert to paying customers following the FDA clearance. Now in Australia, GSS has resubmitted its respiratory test to the TGA in December of last year after restoring the flu B detection TGA clearance. And it's actually expected in early Q3 of this year. So Bell has a buy with a 75 cent price target. I think near-term funding concerns are alleviated and there's a positive risk reward ahead of this major FDA catalyst. It's trading at around 45, 50 cents. So one to watch. Oh, lots of upside. Let's hope they do get their drugs through all of the FDA clearance because that's obviously a major hurdle that all biotechs have to go through. Major risk or major catalyst we shall see in May. Now, CB, what do you have for us today? Well, I love GSS. Now, if we look at the larger end of the ASX, we've spoken about CSL, Sonic. Another one we have touched on throughout last year, which was sold off massively, was ResMed. The code on the ASX is RMD, and it's actually a CDI for the US headstock, so it's a 10 to 1 ratio there. Market cap massive of 26.5 billion US. Now, if you're not familiar with the company, ResMed manufactures medical equipment to treat sleep disorder breathings and other respiratory diseases. So similar to the GSS exposure here. And this was one of the Sone Hearts and Minds 2023 conference stock pitches by Chris Kutes of Elliston Capital. He gave a compelling pitch like all the managers did on the day. But if we strip back, I guess, what the company's primary focus is, it is that of the development and sales of continuous positive airway pressure devices. So he was using uh, the image of Darth Vader with the mask over the face because what these masks allow patients to do is breathe normally while asleep. Not a lot of people know that ResMed also have a SaaS business, primarily selling the cloud-based applications for durable medical equipment, distributors to manage the back office end and production side of things. Now, stocks rallied a lot if you're looking it up on your apps. You know, for example, in January this year, it was up about 11% on the back of their quarterly result because it was ahead of consensus forecasts, driven by a better than expected revenue combination with good operating leverage. Revenue was about 2% ahead of uh, the forecast guidance, primarily reflecting better than expected device revenue. And the beat was really around the gross margin figure of 56.9% and revenue was up 12% year on year. So still really strong financials and fundamentals. And the stock, if you have been following this business or have been invested for a while, you would be well aware it was aggressively sold off in 2023 with the news of the GLP-1 drug, which we all know, look, this is an investment opportunity at the end of the day because analysts are forecasting incremental gross margin improvements throughout FY24 combined with, you know, really smart cost reduction initiatives, further EBITDA margin expansion and robust earnings growth, like I mentioned. Yeah, CB, so I think on this, this kind of shows the whole investor sentiment. ResMed was sold off dramatically to $21, $22, but it didn't have anything to do with the actual company. Uh, <laughs> so I think that is um, quite an interesting point. Yeah, it was all fear, right? It was mm-hmm. all sentiment and emotion. Because from a business case, you know, it's still a long way off for the fundamental business being heavily impacted, which we don't even think is the case, from the rollout of the GLP-1 drug. 
It's not really a wild forecast to say that ResMed can grow their sleep and respiratory top line to the mid to high single digits in the medium term, given that the underlying, I guess, CAGR and growth for these machines in the US alone is growing at 9.5% per annum pre-COVID and also before the disruptor from the competitive Philips machine. So we think that this is a compelling competitive CAGR mammoth of a healthcare biotech uh, business that in the next one to two years is really going to be positively fueled by the GLP-1 mega trend. And we see group sales, you know, growing of at least 6% conservatively. So yes, no doubt there is a disruptive um, drug landscape that will impact ResMed's device sales overall, but that's a long way. We would say that, you know, at current levels, the share price reflects a situation close to saying that the business is going to grow CAGR of a decline or very low single digits um, out until 2030, which I think is pretty pessimistic given that the terminal growth rate of 2.5% reflects a market that are more mature characteristics, uh, you know, for a business. So overall, it's a good buying opportunity for a large cap healthcare biotech business and consensus agrees with a valuation of about $31, indicating about 13.5% upside on current levels. Yes, absolutely. We were topping up in that sell-off at $21, $22, $24. So yay us in our portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, what's the next one we have? So the next one, we're heading offshore and we're sticking with the, I guess, the small to mid cap sector of the global economy. Now, this is a company that you've probably not heard of. It's got a $4 billion market cap. So it is considered on the smaller side for the US market, but would be larger and yeah. here in Australia. Totally. Um, and it's actually set to release one of the most anticipated drugs in 2024. So the stock code is MDGL on the NASDAQ. And it's called Madrigal Pharmaceuticals. Now, they actually engage in the development and commercialization of innovative therapeutic candidates for the treatment of cardiovascular, metabolic and liver diseases. Now, its lead product is the MGL3196. It's used for the treatment of non-alcoholic fatty liver. I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce the medical term for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, any doctor listening can uh, can just, you know, emails in what it is exactly <laughs> as well as the hypercholesterolemia now the company hasn't been around for a long time so it's really been since september 2011 but this really isn't stopping the company's ambitions to really make a huge impact in the biotech sector now the company and its non-alcoholic fatty liver drug resmetorium which can treat obesity, we think the commercial opportunity for this is larger than appreciated and we actually expect the GLP-1 combination use will be likely. Now, in recent tests and analysis with physicians who will use the drug when it's available in the US, physicians are indicating they'll potentially use the drug in 80% of their patients and are expecting meaningful prescribing of both resmetrium and GLP-1s as a combination. Also, what is interesting is that the early indications are showing physicians may prescribe patients over the phone if it's approved in March, so long as reimbursement's not a hurdle, 
Also, what's interesting is that approximately 15% of patients are unable to access the GLP-1s currently. So this new drug as an alternative is a good solution here, given that some of the patients on the GLP-1s do not progress or improve at all. We think the shares are undervalued at current levels and we see potential upside for MDGL shares into PDUFA March 14, where we'll see approval as likely. So the estimate sales by 2028 are to be 2.1 billion US. It's currently not yet profitable, but forecasting to be EBITDA positive by 2026. That's not that far away. This is definitely more of a growth long-term hold company as there's a lot of upside not yet to be priced into the market. So the street's price target is $318, uh, indicating a 36% upside from current levels and UBS cover this stock as well and have a valuation even higher, $337. Yeah, and what's really interesting about this company when we did our screening, Felicity, was sort of like the next Novo Nordisk, like as soon as that news came out, the stock rallied and it just keeps going and going and going. So this could have the potential to do that. So definitely one to watch. Now, sticking within the the global economy and international shares, we've identified a large cap business, which you're probably familiar of, given that it's one of the leaders in cancer treatments. So we're talking about Roche and the stock code is RO on the Swiss Stock Exchange. Roche has been around for a long, long time, since 1896 to be exact, and is probably one of the most recognised healthcare companies with a market cap of $215 billion, plus or minus. Now, it operates through pharmaceuticals and diagnostic segments. It's a really simple business. That's the only two kind of business generative arms that they have. So the pharma division comprises of what they call Roche Pharmaceuticals and Chugga. I probably said that wrong, so excuse me there. And the pharma division accounts for most of the revenue, about 75%. The diagnostic division consists of four business arms, which is the rest of the group revenue. So breaking it down, it's centralized and point of care solution, molecular diagnostics, tissue diagnostics. So it falls in obviously the large cap quality business bucket that we've got here for these four stocks because it does have an excellent track record and impressive fundamental five-year history. For example, growth margins of 71%, EBITDA margins over 35%, ROA of 15% and a solid ROE of nearly 45%. Hence why it's currently paying out about 4% dividend to its investors. The stock uh, holds currently a 4% weighting in the MSCI World Index, which I found interesting doing some DD on this because it's behind three of the what you would think leading uh, US companies, which is Johnson & Johnson, United Healthcare and Pfizer. So that's really impressive given that the US healthcare sector overall in terms of geography really dominates the biotech pharmaceutical healthcare sector for the MSCI index of about 72%. So go Switzerland. Woo. Switzerland, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of why it came up on the screen, the company's trading at a 16 times PE multiple and offering EPS of 14 times, when the historically average PE multiple sits around 21 times, indicating a bit of a buy there. Hence why we, I think it might be a good one to look at if you're not yet in the space, if you're looking for a solid growth and income-producing quality large-cap stock in this sector. Now, looking ahead just very briefly into this year and beyond, the company is forecasting good growth and a base case of growing all of its revenues by 8%. 
They've also got a lot of revolutionary new treatments and diagnostics in the pipeline set to be released and more announcements this year. So much so that the company and management team are calling it the year of meaningful impact as it's going to be their largest launch year ever for their diagnostics segment. So I think that's really exciting and there could be some revolutionary drugs coming onto the market very soon. Absolutely. I think what is also potentially interesting is the Roche Diagnostics. I mean, maybe there's some synergies with GSS. Maybe there's a takeover, takeover down the track. 100%. I mean, who knows? If it happens, you heard it here first on Talk Money <laughs> to Me. So Candice, what is the price target in the next 12 months and what kind of upside? Look, it is, I guess, short term because you know, we sort of prefaced this earlier with we have a long-term view on this sector, but at least for the next 12 months, market's sort of pricing in 14% upside to reach $280 per share. Double digits, we love that. Now, if you're looking for a more diversified approach to get into this sector, in Australia, there are several ETFs focused on biotechnology that investors can consider. So CB, what's the first one that they could look at? So you've got BetaShares. They have a global healthcare ETF and the ticker on the ASX is DRUG really cool easy to remember yeah really cool etf (laughs) name i'm sure they're so glad that they got that as well now this etf provides exposure to a diversified portfolio of global healthcare companies including biotech firms and invests in the companies involved predominantly in the pharmaceutical sector biotechnology healthcare equipment and healthcare services and sales no surprise here that the top five holdings are eli Lilly, united healthcare novo nordis johnson and johnson and merck and co Now, this ETF dates back to August 2016, and since that period has returned 8.36% per annum, being in line with benchmark, tick, tick, tick. It's worth pointing out that there's a lot of large cap diversified healthcare ETFs out there, Felicity. Like we we use drug, also very similar is the iShares Global Healthcare ETF. The ticker for that one is IXJ, very similar return. So I guess if you're more comfortable with a certain provider, you get to pick one. Yeah, there's so many options these days, which is very exciting and I think great for investors. Now, the second way to get exposure is the S&P Biotech ETF. The code on the ASX is Another great name. So another cool. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now, this ETF tracks the performance of the S&P Biotechnology Select Industry Index, which includes leading biotechnology companies listed in the United States. Now, it provides exposure to companies engaged in research, development, manufacturing and marketing of products based on genetic analysis and diagnostic equipment. Now, the top five holdings here is Psykinetics, Viking Therapeutics, Karuna Therapeutics, Sarepta Therapeutics and Biohaven. So companies that you probably have not heard of. So this ETF since inception, which is November 2018, has returned 2.4% per annum, uh, which is in line with the benchmark. So it's not shot the lights out, nothing amazing. But what Candice and I are saying is perhaps this is a good opportunity to get into this sector. Um, You know, when it's down, we think 2024 and the next 10 years, this is really where you're going to be wanting to invest. Health is wealth. (laughs) That's right. And it's important to remember just on that Cure ETF, Felicity, just looking at the numbers here live, it's had an impressive one year, 15.63%. But as you said, inception number is not looking fab because they had, you know, a a, a pull down in the three-year period of about 11.5%. But definitely one to watch because these companies in particular never heard of them, which means most likely they are very much in the forefront of innovative biotech solutions. So 
Vanek also has a biotech ETF listed in the US. BBH is the ticker here. And the ETF tracks the performance of the MVIS US listed biotech 25 index. So if you're wanting a more concentrated US 25 of the largest biotech companies, you could look at this one. It provides exposure to companies primarily involved in the development and production of biotech products, services, and the whole like. So the top five stocks in the ETF currently are Amgen, Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Gilead Sciences, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, and Moderna. Didn't have to struggle with that one. I know that business. (laughs) So the ETF's been around since 2011 and has returned 13.97% per annum. And interesting to last year, it was down a little bit at 0.85 basis points, so slightly worse than the benchmark. Yeah, and I mean, you could also look at on the Aussie Exchange Health, uh, the Vanek Global Health Leaders ETF. The code is HLTH. This has your Eli Lilly and Nova Nordic. Yeah, so like we said, there is so many ETFs out there in this space. These are just a few that we like to use um, and we wanted to give you more information about. Gosh, it, the rain is really like hammering. Well, I can't hear here. it. <laughs> we're, record, we're recording on a Tuesday. It is hammering here uh, in Sydney. So last but not least, though, an ETF that I'm particularly excited about is actually the ARC Genomic Revolution ETF. Now, the code is ARKG, and this is the way I'm playing the theme. So, this ETF has a multi-cap exposure, which I like, to innovative elements, including gene therapy, bioinformatics, bio-inspired computing, molecular medicine, and pharmaceutical innovations. Now, the top five holdings in this ETF are Exact Science Corp, Pacific Bioscience of California. Then you've got the CRISPR Therapeutics, which is a very interesting company, Twist Bioscience Corp, and Schrodinger Inc., It even holds Teladoc, which we have a love-hate relationship with. Now, the last 12 months, it's performed very well, 16.21%, and since inception, inception, 6.44% per annum. Another great one. Still pretty good. Yeah, another great one to look at. Well, that's a wrap on the ETFs in terms of how you can gain exposure to the biotech and healthcare sector globally. Now, before you know the drill, guys, you invest into any ETF or business. It's important for investors to conduct your own thorough research, consider your own investment objectives and the risk tolerance you're willing to take. Always review a little tip, the ETF's prospectus to understand the holdings, the fees and how they overall build up this ETF. Additionally, you know, reach out to a financial advisor or investment advisor to get personalized guidance to suit your individual goals. So we hope you took some value out of today's discussion. Exactly. We hope you did. And remember, in February, we're offering free portfolio reviews and it's still February. So feel free to reach out now. Tune in next week for more investable ideas or strategies and an update on our portfolio. Until next time. See you then. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, 
you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.